Welcome to Wildlife Outdoors with your host, Russell and Jose. If you have a passion for conservation of the outdoors, or you're enjoying a calming hike in the mountains, an exhilarating kayak trip on the river, feeling a fish on the end of your line, cooking on an open flame in a primitive campsite, or stalking big game just waiting for the perfect shot, you're in the right place. So put on your boots and polarized sunglasses and come along for the ride. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have a guest. It is Brian. We're going to go ahead and call him Brian O'Hassler. <laughs> and uh, he's going to join us and we're going to talk a little bit about bow fishing this episode. So Brian, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. My name is Brian or you just call me O'Hassler. I uh, <clears throat> like to think I'm decent at fly fishing, but I, I, I kind of suck. But my, my motto is I suck at fly fishing, but you just never know. So that's why I keep going out there day and day again, sometimes getting skunked and sometimes looking at that conventional gear, but generally saying not today. <laughs> Unless you're not catching something, then you, you flip. Nope. <laughs> I don't even bring it anymore. I don't even bring it anymore because there was like, um, it was on, um, um, huge, huge fly fisherman. He was doing the regional stereotypes He's like, Florida guys, why do you have the conventional gear in your boat? What are you afraid of getting skunked? And I thought, all right, game on, let's go. So <laughs> I just leave it at home. Well, and besides, <laughs> and I'll just say this for your audience, like catching redfish on spoons, not really that fun. Fishing with paddle tails, eh, not really fun. Bottom humping with shrimp, eh. Texas, yeah, or not the Texas, but the like Cajun Thunder, meh. But top water, that's okay. But other than that, it's fly all the time. I love it. I dig it. All right, man, I'm ready. Let's in go. Texas are going to go to Fisticuffs, man. <laughs> all <Dang>. right. <laughs> <laughs> we're going. We're going to get some hate on this episode right off the bat. Oh, I dig it. I like it. Let's so, it all going. right. So, um, I guess we'll start getting into some of the bow fishing stuff um have either of y'all ever been bow fishing no and you won't see me doing it what about you joe all right so i'm gonna catch a little bit of heat i personally would go bow fishing (laughs) under the right circumstances though and we can get into that a little bit later but i was gonna go out and say i i am not opposed to the idea how about you and I have actually been bow fishing, um, haven't gotten anything. And it was just, it was kind of strange. It was actually, I'll say where you caught that koi at, um, went bow fishing right out there. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it, I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's my thing. Um, I would just prefer to, you know, land a fish on a rod. It's more fun to me. Um, nothing really against bow fishing in the right circumstances, um, uh, you know, I, I think bow fishing and eradicating native and indigenous species to areas is something that I am definitely against. But in certain circumstances, invasive species and whatnot, I, I might think it might be a little fun. But uh, yeah, I've, I've been and I've just haven't been successful at it. So it's kind of my stance on it. Like, I'm not opposed to doing it if it's responsibly done. So, yeah. So, Brian, you seem to be pretty adamant mm-hmm. about or against it. Is there, like, what are your issues with, with, with bow hunting? Or, sorry, bow fishing? Um, 
I, I think it's I think it's I'll look at it this way, and I'll 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 take it like an academic approach. I'll start with the positives, and I'll get into negatives. How about that? Just just in case you know That's anyone good. gets their um their undies in a little bind after hearing this, but <laughs> um I would say bow fishing requires some skill, right? Like bow hunting, you know, it's it's a lot harder than having a, a I think a high powered rifle. And, you know, shooting a deer at, at, at 60 yards or whatever it is. So I will say that there's some skill involved. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not as easy. You, it, 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 I assume it's kind of like shooting a pistol. You're like, oh, I can hit a target 10, 10 yards away. But you try it and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that great of a shot after all. It's not that easy. So I think there's some, some skill involved with it. And that's, that's totally okay. Um, I just think for me, there's categories of bow fishing, right? There's your just, I don't know what's the term, but kind of just like prick bow hunter that just kills things to kill things, right? Just go out there. I'm going to shoot carp. I'm going to shoot buffalo. I'm going to shoot um, gar. And then I'm going to throw them on the shore. See, I'm not okay with that. Um, now, if you're shooting things and you're eating them, like that's okay. Like that's, that's, I still don't necessarily love it, but like there's a primal part in me that thinks it's not that bad to like shoot a carp with a bow. I don't really like it, but if you're going to eat it, then that's okay. Or you're going to feed it to your dog or whatever it is that that's, that's okay. So that's kind of like my, my second category of how I kind of think of like, um, bow fishing instinctively. Um, and then there's the third one that's kind of like the invasives, like guys that go up whatever the various river systems and try and shoot um, uh, the silver carp, you know, the big head carp, all those kind of things. Or, or people down South Florida, they're shooting tilapia, um, snakehead, Mayans, all those kind of fish. And I, I'm not necessarily opposed to that per se. It, it, it's you could say it's animal control, but I, I don't know. I think there might be more effective ways if we really want to get like a invasive species out of the area rather than shooting like one or so with a bow and missing like, I don't know, 10 and then wounding a bunch of them. Um, so I guess that's kind of like how I how I think about it is the people that just go out there just to and as, as you know, Russell, you, you might have seen this as you go down to some of those creeks um, and I'm not going to hotspot it. But in yeah. uh, that hot springs area, and there's like mm-hmm. dead, dead um, red horse. Red horse, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's just, and I think it would be great to point out kind of like the fallacy of that is that sure, carp may not be super um, attractive to some people. They're not this like prized animal like they are in parts of Europe um, or Asia, right? Where people just think, oh, that's a trash fish. But these, you know, these fish actually do some kind of form of uh cleaning the water and that's 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 kind of why it it bothers me like no one's out there shooting largemouth right right no one no one's gonna go shoot a well i i take that back if some people saw a seven pound bass in in clear water they probably would take a shot at it but it's just not a general thing um so i guess that's how like i frame like when i think of, of bow fishing but then I'll, I'll i'll say there's the fourth category and the one that i just it's beyond the pale for me is the Louisiana where you can shoot, you can take a, uh, 
a boat out of guys, four dudes. And it's crazy to me being a Floridian, right? And, you know, you can make the jokes about me being Florida man and, you know, I'm probably hot-blooded and this, that, and the other. But uh, at least in Florida, we realize that redfish are kind of a – they're limited in numbers and you can only have one of them. And, you know, yeah. and a lot of us – a lot of us didn't even want you to catch redfish and keep them or keep them, I should say. So it's weird coming from that and then going to Louisiana where it's like, oh, you can keep uh, whatever it is, four or five reds a day. Mm-hmm. And you can keep trout over 12 inches, which is just mind-boggling. But then you get the um, the outfitters, right, that'll bring a bunch of dudes on the boat, and they'll shoot reds, right? And if you think about it, are they measuring those reds to make sure they're however many inches? I doubt it. So I think it's kind of like if a— if they did, they shot them through with an arrow, and it's most likely not going to survive anyways. Yeah. yeah. So there's no, uh, there's no catch and release in hunting. Right. <laughs> If you, uh, if you shoot this, if you shoot something that's too small, it's like, well, it's dead. But, um, so that's kind of how, like, I think about it. And then God forbid anyone shoot a tarpon, right? Like that's just, that's too much, too much for me. And so that's how I, how I would frame it. Um, it's not just like this blanket opposition to anything, but just kind of more along the grounds of like, it's a, it's, it's sporting, I guess. Um, but if we're really about conservation, is there other ways to do it? But I'm not, again, like someone wants to go out and shoot some tilapia. I mean, cool. Yeah. But even then, and, uh, and, and this gets back to a conservation issue, um, is I remember when snakeheads, um, were first kind of spotted in the wild. There's a lot of like. Oh my God, they can walk on land. They're going to bite children. You know, they're going to eat all the, <laughs> all the natives. There's not going to be any bass or any sunfish left in the state when these monstrous, voracious, murderous animals, um, you know, get into the waterways. But I mean, it's like with Oscars, um, they're just now native fish. And it's, I think it's going to be, it's kind of like with invasive weeds. Sure. We can like, take a roundup and just poison everything and you might kill them in like a select area. But like, I think it's just something that they're in the system. We'll just have to learn to, um, to live with them. But you know, eventually they will be native fish and like somehow or another, even these invasives will come under uh threat at some point or another. Yeah. And what about your thoughts? I'll say. So, I mean, Brian, you make some some great points, and actually, I I feel very similar in 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 some of those ways. So, kind of like you. Okay, well, let, let me back up a little bit. So, I don't have an issue with the idea of bow fishing in and of itself. Like, I don't think I have a place to to judge someone for how they choose to recreate. Um, I mean, they're spending money. That money goes into conservation, buying license, all that stuff. Uh, assuming they're doing it the the correct way, you know, they're abiding by all the rules and regulations set in place by their their um, local uh, natural resources agency. They have all the proper licenses and uh, permits that they may need wherever they are in you know in the country or whatever is required of them. As long as they're following all the rules, regulations, whatever, you know, and they're doing it legally. Like, hey, whatever. I, I'm, it's not my place to, to judge you for that. My issue comes from more of like an ethic and moral, I guess, uh, opposition. So 
so going back to what Brian was saying, like I again, I agree with a lot of his points. Um, for me personally, I don't have an issue with the idea of bow fishing in and of itself. Like I think that if someone is abiding by the rules and regulations set in place by their respective like natural resource agency, they have all of the necessary like uh, licensing equipment, all that stuff. You know, I don't think I have a place to judge someone for how they choose to recreate, you know? Um, that being said, I think my biggest issue with bow fishing is more coming from more of a, like an ethical and uh, moral standpoint. So going back to what Brian said, like, I mean, I fished in areas where I saw fish on the bank and I know they were bow fish because I can see the holes from where the, the, the you know, the arrow pierced them. And man, I just have an issue with people doing that. Like, I think as outdoorsmen, we owe the fish and the wildlife, you know, nature deserves our respect, right? And I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's cool that we can just discard them like that. Um, I understand that maybe you don't want to eat them, but I mean, I, I have heard of people like composting uh, fish and stuff like that using as fertilizer. I don't even have an issue with that because at least you're using it to some degree. And I also, there, I guess there is something to be said that if you do toss a fish on the bank, like, you know, nature will come along, vultures, raccoons, something, but still, man, I just don't like that idea. It just doesn't sit right with me. Um, it's you know, one thing always... to do like one. Or two. Yes. Exactly. 20? Yeah. Yes. And so, and so that's the other thing. Like, at least here in Texas, you can bowfish non-game species. And most of the species don't have uh, size limits or bag limits, with the exception of some saltwater species like black drum and sheepshead. But those do have size and bag limits. But, I mean, they taste good. So I imagine people will probably eat them. Um. Yeah, so and so it's terrible, man. Like you can go out and you can just load. I mean, like just shoot a ton of fish, and it's totally unregulated, you know. And I mean, they can dump them, they can do whatever, and it and it can in like smaller water bodies, it can do a lot of damage, and that affects other outdoorsmen who choose to go after those fish because now the population is not what it was, and it's just making things difficult, you know. And I don't, I don't think that's okay. and and a lot of that is just like misinformation, mismanagement, um, and uh, and so the other issue I have is like I feel like bow fishing. And I'm not saying all bow fishermen are like this, but I feel like it kind of perpetuates this trash fish ideology, right? Like if a fish doesn't serve a purpose, like it's not a game fish, like a bass or whatever, then it's 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 no good. They're just going to be like, what, what, what are they here for? We're going to just go and do whatever. No one cares type of thing. And I think it's a disservice, um, one, to the ecosystem, because a lot of these fish are native, like smallmouth buffalo, uh, red horse suckers and stuff to these systems. And yet they're like being indiscriminately targeted and just like annihilate. Well, annihilate is a strong word, but just like totally hammered. And, um, and this is because like people don't take the time to try and understand I guess what it is that they're pursuing, you know, like uh, a lot of these guys lump carp all into one group. A common carp is just as bad as a grass carp, just as bad as like an Asian carp, so on and so forth. And then if they don't really know what they're 
talking about, or if they don't really know what they're targeting, like it's very easy to confuse like a smallmouth buffalo with a carp, and and you know they'll get hammered too. And but they're native, you know, and not all carp are the same. Like common carp, for example, at least here in Texas, they've essentially become naturalized. Um, they're not a native, they but common carp and and without getting too much into like semantics, but naturalized essentially means like an organism is able to grow, spread, and reproduce on its own. And these fish have done that. And so at, at this point, they're like a naturalized species. Oh, also the other caveat is without causing like any harmful effects, right? In that instance, then it would become like an invasive, right? Because in, in, People like to throw these terms around like interchangeably, like exotics are invasive, but that's not true. Um, it's possible for an organism to be an exotic or non-native and not be uh, invasive. Like uh, a lot of our, our a lot of our vegetables, like tomatoes, they're not native to here. They they weren't. They're not a North American species, but they're a staple in our cuisine. You no, know? um, and we grow them. And, you know, people grow them in the gardens, but they're not, you know, invasive. They're not negatively impacting the environment or causing economic harm or they're harming humans. And that's essentially what an invasive, what an invasive is. It's an organism that causes economic or environmental harm or can pose health or can pose harm to humans. And so common carp, un, that, I guess there's a caveat because I think, because I guess the term invasive is kind of fluid because organisms can be invasive and cannot be invasive, right? Common carp under the right densities, I would imagine, aren't going to be invasive. It's when they're in high, their populations are high enough abundance or density that they will then begin to negatively impact their environment. But, you know, at what point is that going to actually happen and uh, such and so forth? And, and I think with grass carp, at least here in Texas, if you want to stalk them or something, they have to be like sterile, so they can't reproduce. And you have to get permits and all this stuff. And and so a lot of people just don't, I guess, understand these things and just lump everything. Like all carp are bad. A buffalo, they think is a carp and it's bad. They think gar are bad or whatever. And then that's not the case. So that's the one thing. Like I guess they're perpetuating the this trash fish ideology and just like not taking the time or like in like the indiscriminate shooting of, of all these species. Like it's not, I don't think that's, that's, that's great either for the environment or for the systems. Um, I think what, <clears throat> one thing I would, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about and if anyone else wants to chime in is sometimes you'll hear like a bass fisherman, like conventional bass fisherman, they'll talk about, Oh, you know, I went to uh, such and such spot, man. It used to be a, a, um, lunker hideout so on and so forth now nah, now there's just so many gar in there and i'm kind of wondering if like that kind of word of mouth you know uh road cove or whatever whatever cove you want to name or whatever spot used to be bass but man there's so many gar in there if that kind of just filters out and people go oh well let's kill them off so the bass will come back so I'm just kind of curious. I can almost definitely if, say that that's a lot of what happens. Yeah, I okay. mean, there are certain creeks that you alluded to earlier here in Hot Springs area where, you know, I, I used to target red horse suckers. And 
now there's been numerous times I've seen flat bottom boats going by with spotlights. And then the next thing you know, you're out there and you see 400 red horse suckers with holes pierced through them, just laying on the banker in the middle of the Creek. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, especially when they're spawning, you'll see them by the thousands when they're spawning. And so there might be a conventional guy out there, bass fishing saying, Oh, there's all these red horse suckers everywhere. So I can definitely see how that ideology could definitely spread out and go from whatever fishermen targeting a specific species to bow fishing and saying, you know, hey, this is that trash fish ideology, as Jose said. Um, same thing with pickerel. There's been numerous times I've gone and done pickerel tournaments or just going for recreational fishing for pickerel. And I had a guy pull up in a bass boat next to me. He's like, what are you catching? I was like, pickerel. And he said, oh, well, why ain't you throwing them on the bank? What do you mean? Why would I throw them on the bank? They're trash fish. They're indigenous. They're native species. Why would I, why would I eradicate a species if I'm not going to harvest it? Just throw it on the bank just because you think it's a trash fish because it has sharp teeth or whatever the case may be. Because it bites your uh, so your I conventional can, $8 Rapala and puts holes right? in it, you know? Yep, <laughs> exactly. So I think that, that yep. probably is a lot of it. Yep. Yeah, and it, it just goes back to, like, like the spread of misinformation or lack of education. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get some probably some heat for this because, you know, especially here in Texas, so many people are, like, against regulation or more regulation, but... I think in the case of um, bow fishing, I don't think more regulation is necessarily bad. Um, like put bag limits or something, you know, um, size limits. That's going to be kind of hard because with refraction and things, it is hard to judge. Yeah. But I mean, at least put some bag limits or something. Um, and then, I mean, you have to take a hunter's education class to hunt, you know, bow, whether it's bow, rifle, whatever. Maybe they can even do something for that if you want to do some bow fishing. Uh, like fish ID, whatever. I learned to identify what is native versus what is invasive or whatever, or non-native. Like there's, I think there are better ways to go about it, you know? And, and again, like I, like I, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I myself would love to go bow fishing, um, but I would want to do it for like invasive carp. And, and I think that's the only way that I would do it. Um, yeah. Again, I don't think it should be outlawed outright because again, if someone wants, I, it's not up to me to judge someone for how they choose to recreate, but I think there are better ways to uh, kind of handle this, uh, you know, how, how we do these. I agree with that. But so do they not have to take a hunter's education course to bowfish? I'm unfamiliar with that. I, I don't think so. I think under parks and wildlife, if you look in the rules and definitions for parks and wildlife, I think they define bow fishing as a form of fishing. Really? Even though it's not rod and reel. So I'm not sure. And, and again, like do your own, do your own due diligence, do your own research, you know, do your due diligence and check this out before you go and start shooting stuff. I, but to my knowledge, I don't think you have to take hunter's ed to bow. Really? Hmm. That's interesting. That's something that I, that I wasn't aware of. One thing I, um, I appreciate Jose as the, the thinking man and the, you know, he's going to add some nuance to this. So I, I, I like that. Um, one thing I want to, I want to uh, bring up is maybe this thought that just because like the local um, regulations say that you can bow hunt, does it actually mean if you come back with science and say that, look, this, this bow, this bow fishing, right. It's decimating the species that clean the river. Or it's decimating species like that are game fish that people are coming here for, 
and it's such such a problem. It's like I, I guess what I'm getting at is like when does the science come back to influence you know more at that policy level, and is that even something that you know anyone wants to listen to? Because if they're thinking about science or they're looking as a revenue stream as well, if we say people can't bow hunt then or bow fish, then they're not going to get licenses, and then we're going to lose out and you know, thousands of dollars to which I would counter, is it really that much of revenue for like the state um, or are there better ways of, of getting revenue? But that's a different question. But I guess like my, um, my only point is that like, if people aren't doing it sustainably and just because it's, um, it's legal, doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's a, it's great for our, for the fisheries. And of course, you know, I'm coming to this from like a, Again, from a Floridian, where like, I imagine if we saw some dude in the creeks like shooting reds with bows, like it, it, it wouldn't go over well. And God forbid some clown goes down to like the Keys or like Miami and is rolling around in the mangroves trying to shoot, you know, not only bonefish but snook and you know <laughs> Goliath grouper. It's illegal, but you know that hadn't stopped anyone from doing anything stupid. But it's just like it's kind of foreign to me. I mean, people that shoot um, or that are bow fishing are usually doing it for like um, gar mostly that I see around here. Um, but there are some people that, you know, will will um, shoot like, I guess, grass carp, um, which I don't know if those are technically invasive. But Florida is like one of the only states where they're not really like common carp. If I want to go fish for common carp, I have to go up to... Um, kind of the Atlanta metro area or the Chattahoochee river, which is a good like three hour hike, or I go six you know, hours down and go, go look for some beast, um, beast, uh, grass carp. But, um, that's just kind of like my, how I, how I frame it is again, just because it's legal doesn't necessarily mean if there's no really like limits to what you can kill. Um, and again, and I guess yep. this is another point is that, it's like with bass fishing. Bass guys release bass, right? Very few of them actually keep anything. And I've just, and this is anecdotal. I'm, I am not, I am not a scientist. I may have a PhD, but I am not a scientist. <laughs> I'm not a marine biologist. So, you know, take my word as a grain of salt. But um, I've seen enough anecdotal evidence from local biologists that say, hey, you should keep a few bass. Like releasing them in some ways kind of stunts their growth. And I would kind of take that correlation to like, maybe it's not a bad thing to remove a few gar here and there, you know, to trim down the population because maybe it is excessive and that could be construed as some form of like management of a fishery. Right. But I think there's a, that's a far cry, but beyond that and Hey, I'm going to go shoot the, you know, the bow of my bow hunting, you know, my bow fishing boat full with gar, you know, stack them on top of each other in three layers. Like, you know, that's, that's of course kind of gratuitous, but like, if you're going to do something with them, Hey, if you're going to make some fish oil and you're going to go, you're going to, you're getting into Vietnamese cooking and you're like, you know what, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to have some rotting fish, but I'm going to learn to do it. I'm going to have enough fish oil to cook for a few months. Like, cool. You know, whatever. Or you want to feed your dog, you know, gar. That's like, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. And again, it, it's it's skill, right? It's not just like anyone can go out there um, and, you know, chuck a bobber with like a worm and catch something. You know, you got to like, 
sit there and aim, right? And it's difficult. So I, I, I do respect that. There's a skill. But it's like just the sort of the wanton, just I'm going to throw it on the bank without any regard for it. And, I don't, and I'd like to think that education would help. But coming from a former you know, educator, I couldn't even get students to read the syllabus. <laughs> so so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, like, I mean, read the regulations. Like, it's like, I don't need to read the regulations. I can tell there's enough, there's enough gar in this lake to five times over. We all need it. Yeah. See it? Yeah, man. I mean, that's, I think that's a big issue. Like, you can have all the data, you know, you can have all the information. But at the end of the day, it's whether, one, whether you can articulate it to the public in such a way that it's like digestible, but two, whether or not they're willing to be accepting of it. And we all, I mean, and it's been proven time and time again that you are going to have those detractors of, of science and what the numbers say and whatever. And it's in, and so there's a lot of issues with that. I, I, I feel like a natural resource, um, at least like in the management and, and things like that policy is largely influenced by public perception. Right. And it, that is where it gets really, really difficult because you have to balance like the needs of, of the wildlife, the needs of, of, these species with the wants of the people. And at the end of the day, it's the people's money who helps to, you know, fund conservation and things like that. And they will have a say in, and ultimately they, they will have a say in, in how things should be done or not. And um, I mean, we've heard like in other States, like certain hunting for certain species were, are banned and whatever. And, and um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's really difficult because the human pair, like the human component of it just makes things so, so difficult. Yeah. And, um, and it's just, it's just hard. And kind of like what you said, like, yeah, I mean, like they feel that they own the wildlife, they own the fish and they should be able to do whatever they want, especially if like they have private property and, you know, but that's not the case. Like these are resources available to the public, you know, people from Oregon can go fish and catch fish in Florida if they want to. Um, so as long as they have the right licenses and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's it, these resources belong to everyone. And so it's really just hard to, I guess, manage with, for these types of things. And, and, and it just makes it so difficult. Yeah. And it's, it's, so, yeah, I mean, you can, no, I, I, sorry, I think ahead. it's, it, 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 it's kind of hard sometimes for, for Americans, we think of ourselves as like, so individualistic and like social media has heightened that in a way that we're very, you know, our individual. So I think sometimes it might be hard to think like of, of a kind of common, common public good. And to think of like, you know, what you're using as a natural resource as the public good. And like, yeah. I'm just going to go out on the limb here. And that's fine. I don't care. But it's like, I think fly fishermen kind of intuitively, as part of being a fly fisherman, think a little bit more about that in a different way. And I'm not saying, and, and, and this kind of ties in with something else that I've heard. Um, and being in Florida, kind of one of these, these kind of hot button issues is red snapper season, right? It's like, uh, you hear anecdotally, God, I can't catch a grouper now because there's so many red snapper. Let's, 
let's just open Red Snapper up all all season long, or let's lengthen it, so on and so forth. And like the scientists aren't doing their job. I've heard like that kind of thing, not necessarily like a conspiracy, but the the scientists, the biologists don't know what they're doing. They're just trying to hurt the recreational anglers that are the ones that help fund you know conservation. Um, so I, I I guess what I'm getting at is like sometimes there's these like innate things within us that just and it's it's heightened now like we don't want to distrust uh we don't want to listen to what the the scientists say for whatever reason um biologists that you know they're just being way too cautious right they're way too cautious you know there's so many snapper down there i could catch 50 of them but you know the thing is again i'm again i'm not a bottom humper i'm not a conventional guy that fishes for red snapper but I've heard marine biologists tell me that even though you kind of like pop their bladder, a lot of them still are going to die from being hauled up 30 feet, you know. And so that leads to kind of the question of like, do you just have like a um, – I know this isn't like bow fishing, but it's like maybe the first few fish you catch, you got to keep them. It's just that that's how it is, and then you yeah. just stop. It's kind of like with, with a um, – I went fly fishing with this um, Canadian in the Panama Canal. And he was telling me about, like, you know, the English. And if we have any English listeners, you guys are so class-ridden, it's cute. But, like, <laughs> how they will, um, they've got all these rules. Like, you can only fish, like, in these ch- creek ch- or um, uh, chalk creeks, like, on Tuesdays and Thursdays between certain hours. And then no matter what, you got to cull, like, whatever fish it is. The first fish you catch, the third fish, you just, you got to cull them. Right. And I, I guess like my um, it, it's getting back to kind of like this, this, this perception about how we think of of fish, like how we think of ourselves as fishermen, what our kind of role is in it. And are we like the the Rambos out there, the mercenaries that we feel like we're doing the job of like, you know, policing natural resources and getting all those damn gar out of there. Yeah, dude, you might. I mean, yeah, I think that's a valid point. Like, um, I can't even tell you how many times I pop onto like Facebook and those fishing groups, whatever. And they're like, oh man, we've been catching so many reds. I don't understand why the limit's so low. Like, we should mm-hmm. be able to keep more, whatever. Or like, um, when they started lowering, lowering the uh, the uh, bag limits for trout, they're like, oh, trout are doing great. I can go catch my limit in like 15 minutes. I don't know why we need to lower them, but at the same time, it's like, dude, you're questioning the decisions that people have spent their entire careers like going and investing in doing this stuff like it's not just arbitrary numbers they're throwing out there you know All they're not haters like, they've done yeah. their due diligence yeah they're they've done their research they've 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 literally dedicated their, their careers to to figuring this stuff out and i mean because you gotta think if yeah i mean i just i don't know man it's 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 kind of funny but also kind of frustrating and i'm not going to sit here and say like you know my crap don't stink whatever like i i i, I do think that you know I, I i would like to think that i've grown a lot like in my younger years man i was all about like limiting out you know i was all about you know going out there and just fishing and whatever and and that was like a goal like every time i went fishing with my buddies like we're gonna we're gonna get our limits of reds mm-hmm. or trout or whatever and we're gonna go and you know and and that was like a point of pride. I Put guess. the smack down on them. Oh yeah. 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 
yeah, man, you know, that's, and, and, but the thing is like, I, I think I've just come to realize like, you know, it, it's yeah. Catching limits. Great. And the fish tastes good. And I'm not opposed to keeping fish. I'll let that be known. Like I'll keep a redfish here and there. You know, I love ceviche. I'll keep trout, whatever. But I, I also enjoy, uh, and, and the other thing is like, it's kind of interesting because catch and release is like uniquely a first world. Oh yeah. Privilege. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like we have, huh? like we, yeah. Yeah, we have the opportunities to be able to go and fish and release them. And as long as you handle the fish properly, like their survival rates are actually really, really high. And of course that's varied from species to species generally. So long as you handle the, the fish uh, properly, like they have a very, very good chance of, of surviving. And so, um so yeah man i mean i would argue that like the people who want to go out there and catch your limits like it's also i think uh, because a lot of people are willing to catch and release like they, yeah. they are able yeah. to do these things because i mean if, if everybody was catching every fish they, they they caught you know these populations would would certainly start to, to and not like, only that but i think and, uh, sometimes just because you catch a fish and you release it you know, the survival rate can be good, but that it's like in cold weather. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, but you know, freshwater trout anglers are very anal retentive, right? I don't want you to touch that, that trout unless it's kind of like behind their, their fins, right? Cause they got that protective slime. Well, I kind of think that same way about handling speckled trout in saltwater. They don't have scales. They've got oh, yeah. kind of this slime and I see people just like grabbing them in the middle and taking them out. And like, I don't imagine that does very well, especially in a in cold winter months. I mean, so they're kind of a, 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 a it's not the right word weaker, but they're not as hardy as say a redfish. You know, they're pretty. Yeah. I, I would think of them kind of yeah. sensitive in a way as like snook, that they just don't tolerate cold. They can do it yeah. obviously better than a snook can, but like, <clears throat> just the fact that you hook hook them. You know, and and if they're not eating that many calories, you might say, "Oh, well, I released them," but they might die. You know, and and, and it's just like just because, like, you know, you catch a limit and you release some doesn't mean that those fish, even that you released, are going to survive. And there's got to be some kind of like um, some compensation. But I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say that nobody thinks about it, but that. Again, just being a, us yeah. being fly fishers and tooting our own horns, that like there's some cog, you know, we're taught that. It's like part of the game. Yeah. It's like you going out and being like, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you know this, like you catch bobos and it's like, you're going to keep a few. Eh, okay. But like, it's, it's just funny because if you were going to keep any other trout species, it's like, that's, that's, that's beyond the pale, right? Or handling yeah. them wrong, so it's it's just kind of like a, a different thing. So it's 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 also hard for me. It's someone that was conventional, but someone that really just likes fly fishing so much better to kind of like go from that perspective, and then just think about somebody being like a a bow fisher, and I'm just gonna you know we're gonna go out there, boys, and we're gonna work the fish. You know what? We're it, it's gonna be like a it's gonna be a turkey shoot, which is a phrase I never understood because like. I, I never hear about people just mowing down turkeys because they got great eyesight. So it's not like you're just <laughs> shooting like 10 turkeys in a, in like an open field. I mean, maybe they did back in, you know, the days of yore, but, um, but I guess it's just, it's hard for me 
like thinking about you know conservation and being a fly fisher and supposedly being held to a higher standard or whatever it is um to being like okay let me go out with some some dudes and we're gonna go work these buffalo just gonna murder them what are we gonna do with them ah the big gator bait we'll throw them to the gators because then we're gonna go yep. you know shoot the gators later um you know and again like with even with invasive species like i'm gonna be honest uh my my oldest son and i we went down to the everglades um we fished with a guy down there and he was totally cool like you know hey listen like you guys i i like it i like that you're gonna keep the fish and you're gonna take them home and you're gonna cook them and he's like well you know we could also use a few for gator bait so like i could understand that if you're gonna like bait up a big gator or something and go out there and uh, uh, shoot it or whatever whatever you're gonna do with an arrow rifle i don't know but um you're going to use it for something else, like an invasive species or something like that. I, my point just being, I guess there is an easier way to do it um, than using a bow. But I understand yeah. the sporting element of, hey, I'm going to use a bow because it's harder to hit a bow. But like, if you're doing it just to get them out, like, I don't know, throw a stick of dynamite in there and just like, you know, shoot them out of the water. Like how what the old timers used to say, like, oh, fish aren't <laughs> biting. Throw dynamite in there. We'll catch them that way. Yeah, and see the management of like the actual management of, of invasive. Like, okay, first of all, I'm not a fish biologist. I'm not anywhere close to that. This is just personal opinion. I just don't see a cost effective way of being able to manage fish. Like, they are, I mean, they can go anywhere in that river they want to. And then if you do throw dynamite, you're going to probably kill some stuff you don't want to. And you can go there with with the and, and you know like shock them whatever, but that's a lot of time mm-hmm. and a lot of energy, a lot of money and gas oh, yeah. for the boat for the vehicle. I mean everything. It's just and then I mean I guess you can catch some and like maybe uh, what is it, sterilize them or whatever, but that's also very intensive and you probably won't see the effects until generations later, and so. I, I will say this about bow fishing. I guess from a sporting perspective, like it is attractive in that it will allure hunters, you know, who maybe want to sharpen their their skills for for the season or whatever, or just try something different. But it, that can generate some revenue with the purchases of licenses and permits that will go into conservation. So I can see some potential benefits with bow fishing for invasive species when it comes to the actual management side of it i just don't know how effective it is oh yeah they're in there they're in there i mean you could go uh, it's like we were talking about this like because i remember when um i I forget was the ohio river system or something uh they were going to the governor was going to allow like these chinese fishing trawlers to go in there which are you're going to dredge the bottom and they're going to catch everything in there and, um, you know, I was just kind of like joking, like, well, man, why don't they just like shut off this part of the river and like just literally dredge it? And he's like, it could, but you get there's all these other creeks and these pipes and then it just goes all up into Miami. And so, like, you oh, know, yeah. good luck. And I'm like, oh, yeah, OK, well, and it, it's 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 and, yeah. it, and we could talk the same thing about, I think, invasive weeds, invasive plants. It's like once mm-hmm. they're out in the. Uh, yeah Dogs. yeah once they're out in the system it's kind of like you know you can manage it in certain yeah. areas but it's like do we learn to live with them yeah 
or do we just want to keep like poisoning the land and soil with with the pesticides and the dream right. that like it's going to it's going to work? I don't know. I, yeah. I think there has to be a happy medium somewhere, though. Maybe. Um, I mean, of course, it's going to be harder to manage. That that's that's a given. It's going to be harder to manage. But if there's some type of regulation or some type of you know bag limit, obviously, like Jose was saying, you know, size limit is going to be hard to manage. But um, bag limit. And stuff like that, and saying that you know maybe certain fish shouldn't be able to be bow hunted, um, or make seasons for them, stuff like that. Because if if it's you know spawning season for the red horse sucker, for instance, you see them in hordes, you see thousands of them because they're spawning, yep. and then they go and eradicate them. So not only is that just affecting the amount, the population there at that given time, but then if they're not successfully reproducing, then the following generations are then going to be affected. And so maybe it could be something like, hey, you know, well, during the spawning season for said species, you can't bow, hunt, uh, bow fish them. You know, I, th- I think there's definitely going to be a happy medium on ways that we can not necessarily manage, but just kind of set regulations to say, hey, you know, maybe this will help the population better. Um, and, and, you know, talking on the, the part of harvesting and stuff like that, I agree. If it's an invasive species and you're going to harvest it and you're going to use it for something, you're going to use it for compost, you're going to eat it, you're going to use it for bait, as long as you're doing something with it, I'm a lot, me personally, I'm a lot more lenient. Like, okay, yeah, you know, you're going to do it, you're going to support, you're going to do your thing. Of course, you know, just like I say, I can't tell you how you can go have fun, go, you know, recreate or anything like that. Just go, just go do it, but do it responsibly. Do it with morals. You know, if you, if you have this moral compass of I'm just going to go and eradicate and murder everything I see, that's not doing anything for anybody. There's no positives to come from it. But if you're going to go out there and say, hey, you know, I need, you know, I'm going to get a, some, get some of this, you know, maybe feed my kids, teach my kids the outdoors, teach them how to survive, you know, for when and if this world goes to crap and they'll be able to you know, use their means to do so. Like I, I get that. And I respect that a hundred percent wholeheartedly. I want my kids to be able to survive if, and when this world goes to crap, but at the same time, there's a say a, a way to responsibly do it. And I just think there should be a happy medium that, you know, getting the word out there and maybe not necessarily managing the, the amount of species or anything like that, but just getting the word out there could be a way to in turn, manage it, quote unquote, manage it. Yeah. Dude, and it's so hard because, I mean, like, just hearing the three of us talk, you know, someone who bowfishes might do this podcast, like, feel, I don't know, chastised or something like that. And I think that's <laughs> probably one of the reasons why it might be hard to be receptive to, to that and want to kind of look at it from a different scope because they feel like, you know, they're, I guess, the outcasts, if you will. But it's kind of like like politics, man. It's 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 conversation is one thing right but once that turns into like an argument you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong whatever you need to do it this way or think this way then that's when there's some resistance so there needs to be like some dialogue and and just like general like like hey you know like i i like you do you man like whatever but i think maybe we can try and fix this because the fact of the matter is like the outdoors, like people who choose to hunt and fish and, and recreate in, in, in that way, they're already like having to deal with, um, you know, people like from uh, like, I don't want to name any organizations, but there's already resistance, right? Like we're already targeted, like they're already trying. There's people out there already trying to reduce people from or, or trying to keep people from hunting certain species or whatever or, you know, fish for certain species. Well, not so much. I don't for some reason, I guess fish don't get the same love as um, mammals do, 
you know, ducks. I've seen quite a bit. Um, <laughs> huh? I've, I've seen quite a bit, quite a bit of, of people on, and it's like they'll join fishing groups to specifically go in there and chastise fishermen. And say, well, oh, that yeah. poor fish. Swordfish. Or, or you'll see it where... Yeah, you, tuna or something. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. offshore fish. Yeah. Big fish like that, sure. But like redfish or whatever, maybe not as much love. But again, it's just like we as outdoorsmen, we are... Since we're already facing so much like ridicule at times, like we really shouldn't be fighting each other anymore either. You know, I think there are ways to have good productive conversation and are able i think there's possibilities of reaching a good middle ground like hey man you could still do what you're doing there just might be better i think one thing one one thing that if you talk to uh, a few louisiana guides about part of the reason they also don't like it is because what happens is a lot of um bow fishing takes place at night you got your lights you can shine the fish blind them and it makes it Mm -hmm. easier okay so you have people in an area like Louis- wherever it is, Louisiana, Florida, Texas, lots of fishing pressure, lots of fishing pressure in the day. And then at night, you got the dudes going out in the party boat, you know, having a, a grand old time shooting them. And the fish don't really get a chance to rest. What does that mean for the population? Yeah, I don't know. They're more wary. Maybe they don't um, reproduce because they're constantly being chased. And I think like, but then again, it's always going to be that, well, I don't do it that often. I only do it like once a month. I do it like twice a year. So it's not that big of a deal. And there's always this, well, I do it this way. And I'm, and I, I'm the, I'm the, um, what is it? I'm the exception to the rule. I'm not the guy going out there, but I think it's also just conversation, hard conversations that actually need to be had between locals, right? Like if if I'm if I'm fly fishing, I'm a guide in an area where dudes are bow fishing or bow hunting, whatever you want to call it, and slaughtering species, I'm going to talk to them and say, well, pretty soon we're not going to really have a great living doing this because I'm fishing at day, you're going at night, and you're shooting more fish than I am bringing in to harvest. And you may think you're doing a good and it's okay because it's legal and it's on paper, but that person's going to get defensive because it's already going to be all, you know, you fancy boy, you fly fisher, you know, you and you, you you surgeon's son, you know, this, that, and the other fancy boy, you know, (laughs) look at you, big money talking, you know, and and like, it's already going to be like accusatory and defensive, but it's like a hard conversation that should be had. But again, will it get anywhere? I don't know, but it, it some way, I feel like a lot of solutions are always going to kind of be local. And at a certain point, I think things just become so obvious to even somebody that's kind of, I mean, there's some people that are just going to be resistant to whatever, but if you're shooting, you go out four times a week and you do this for four months and you shoot thousands of redfish, you're probably going to eventually see a population decline. But there's always going to be that, oh, well, they're hardy and they're going to reproduce. It's fine. Like you hear a lot of people say, oh, well, they're, um, they, have a, they have a lot of bounce back. They're, um, but it's like, at what point? You know, it's like in Florida, we're releasing redfish into yeah. the wild. 
and we don't have people just murdering yeah. and, and murdering even, them with you know bows. Yeah. So, and see, that doesn't even that doesn't even include like environmental yeah. impacts, like uh, when we like here in Texas when we had those really hard freezes, dude. I mean, the coast was yeah. lined with thousands upon thousands yeah. fish of kills. fish. So if you take that yep. into consideration, and the yeah, man, you're going out there and you're you know, like you said, going so many times a week for however many months and you're just putting the hurting on these fish, yeah. dude, it's, it's, it's eventually somewhere it's going to add. Yeah. yeah. And, um, again, like I'm not saying we need to outright like ban it or anything like that, but again, I just think that there are better ways to kind of approach this where everybody can benefit. I'll say if you want a challenge, instead of just gunning the fish down, you could try a fly rod, maybe go to a local business instead of a big <laughs> box store, right. Instead of going to like Bass Pro right. to get your rig, Go to a, a local fly shop, support them, try and learn something new that's not yeah. going to leave holes in the fish. And I guarantee you trying to catch a buffalo and a carp is going to be as challenging as like trying to gun the fish down in broad daylight with a bow and arrow. Challenging and much more rewarding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're not just like, oh, I'll throw it on the, on the, the gators will eat them. But what happens if there's no gators? Are the are the foxes? There going to be that many coyotes and foxes feasting on, and do they need to eat that much carp in their diet? Right. I don't know. It's it, it, <laughs> hey, a lot of omegas. Yes, they're going to be some. That's right. Some shiny foxes with some great fur running around, and and, and then that'll be like, <laughs> whoa, we got. Hey man, tie some flies with that. But then it's also right? wow, look at all these coyotes around here. God, we got to shoot them too, you know. So it's just <laughs> it, it's kind of yeah. like this. Uh, I I don't know. It's. It's. I would just say, for me, I respect. I respect you guys. That's a. You're you're thoughtful, but like, I say, hey, if you want something challenging, you could put down the bow. Actually, do this. Go stalk the deer with your bow and arrow. Get out on the stand and go stalk them the old-fashioned way. And then you know, right? That's right. pretty challenging. Uh, hitting a fish that's blinded by the light. I mean, kind of challenging, but like. Try it with a with a fly and, and, and getting it right in there, and you get to see it. You take it, and you set the hook, and there it is. You'll want to kill it because it's whatever. You're probably not going to shoot tw- – you're probably not going to catch 25 carp like you would or uh, 50, 50 red horse like you would just go out there guns blazing or both reels or rods. Dude, I haven't even caught a carp. Yeah, I haven't either. They hate my guts, so it's fine. And but you, dude, Russell, Russell, the one he caught was a yeah. fucking pig, man, a little fatty. But see, that's Jose, Jose's, dude, ho- Jose's hooked quite a few of them oh, yeah. though, and he's had some long fights and ended up landing it. Two. That's two more I than I you hooked hoped. another one over on the on the lower Colorado. Did you hook another one that one day? No, I hooked one on the Colorado, and then that other one. Ed, I hooked that one, and then I hooked one here in in College yeah, Station that you fought. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've only hooked two, and it was with the raw like. The absolute wrong tackle. It was just kind of accident. And yeah, I mean, like I've been obsessed with carp and okay. And this kind of going on to the fly fishing thing, like, man, I, I will say this. I come from a convention. I do too. And to like, and, to, and, and I, I, okay. So Russell knows this deal. I, I don't, I don't think you and I have had the pleasure of talking. Well, actually this is the first time we had to talk, but um, yeah, man. So I picked up fly fishing as a means to just add another tool in my toolbox like i wanted to be i want to be a, a just a, like a good outdoorsman 
not it wasn't really my goal to be a good fly fisherman, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. So it just so happened that I really, really like fly fishing now. And that's all I want to do. And ever since I've picked up that rod, I feel like my approach to how I see things is different. Like I have I feel like I'm a more ethical angler and I also appreciate the chase. I also appreciate the different fish. Like a lot of people regard, especially in the conventional community, regard carp as a trash fish. They don't want to catch them. But dude, that is like, yeah. I am obsessed. Like I want one so bad. And I've been trying to catch, like I've been tying flies for them. Like I have been doing research on them. Like, and I think fly fishing just opened up a lot of doors. And I think, and, and I think that's one of the cool things about fly fishing. Cause I feel like a lot of fly anglers are like the Some same. are. Some are purists. Uh, some just want to catch their brown trout, yeah. and that's some that's are. fine. If you just want to, which isn't even a nope. native species nope. here, either, <laughs> it's not. By the way, it's not. <laughs> just oh, it's not. And guess. they know that. They know that. <laughs> they're they're super protective. Yeah. Actually, that guy, a huge fly fisherman, has yeah, they're, 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 video they're trash on on Nate. But it's yeah. also. I, I like to uh, I like to make fun of those guys because they're super protective of that invasive species. But like when they come down to Florida, they're like, ah, we'll we'll keep a red. And it's like, where's the love for our native species, right? right? Just because they have table fare, you can release them, man. It's not going to hurt. You can go buy some. If you want some redfish? Go buy yeah. them in the store, man. Get some of that star that that farm raised Louisiana redfish. Right. Right. <laughs> so I'll say you're so, so obsessed with uh catching carp and aren't you friends with Chris Fowler or, you know, Chris Fowler, Chris Fowler, who Chris Fowler. I, um, man, I, I, he's a good, I don't know if I call him a friend just cause you know, like I don't have his number. I don't talk to him, but I've met him a couple of times. Really cool dude. But he is a carpy guy, man. He, he used to live or fish a lot around the Austin area. And that dude has caught some freaking tanks. He's also caught koi fish. Dude, he's the carp like whisperer, man. Um, he now owns a fly shop called the Fly Trap. Shout out, Chris, in Rockport, Texas. Sweet shop, cool dude. If y'all ever make a trip to Rockport or Renzis Pass, or whatever, swing by, say what's up. Uh, it'll be worth the trip for sure. But yeah, man, that guy, dude. He I'm sure he can give you some tips, straight. man. You need to get on some. <laughs> Dude, I just haven't had the chance right. to pick his brain about it, man. Sounds like you need to jump on it. I'm I'm gonna go up to the um, the suburban Atlanta area to fish with uh, Henry Cowan, and um, yeah, he's the uh, he's striper man, the sodium free striper guy. Yeah, but he he goes for um, for uh, for carp. We have the conversation like, man, in some ways he'd rather fish for carp too, and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Set set me up, you know. Like, I like other kinds of fishing for sure. Like bass fishing, it's it's cool, you know. But like something, it's always been something about the carp too. Like I just, I think they're they're not. It's not like fishing for a permit. And I'm not. I'm just going to be on record. Like if I catch a permit, awesome. But am I going to go spend like weeks in Mexico chasing the damn things around? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Like permit guys, uh. A special I, I don't like finicky fish i just you know i don't i leave that to the the people with like a lot of disposable income and that like they they you know they they've got it where they can go jet set around and more power to them um or they live around them but i just so it's like the carp for me is kind of like 
I hold it not in the same standards as like a permit, but it's like one of those fish, a permit era. It's an accessible. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And it's one that's just far enough away to me that it's like, Oh, it's exotic. You know, I've got grass carp in this local lake, but they're like, I swear, uh, there's one or two of them and they literally just flap up on the top of the water. They're just rolling around on the top, not a care in the world, but then they're usually down the bottom, like 20 feet down. And then they just like come up and they're like, nah. So, I mean, you could sit there and rack your brain, but like, uh, basically I'd have to go travel and, um, and I'm so desperate. There's like this, um, a carp pond in uh suburban Atlanta and it's like they they have just these like you know ridiculous size carp, but it's mostly like it's only open for a few days and they got a lot of tournaments, and it's it'd be funny. I mean, you know, you got all these guys with like the six rods out there and their corn and their own home paste and stuff, and then you got you know Mister Dandy that rolls out there with this fly rod that's like, oh okay, you know, <laughs> and they're all like looking at me like I'm the exotic species out there, and somehow <laughs> by like walking around them. I'm ruining their game, you know, and it's, I don't know. Me and I say I've been that odd duck before say on the San Marcos river. Oh, Oh, we get so many looks like, what are those guys doing? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Or it's like, you probably have, have, uh, have, have heard this before you can catch those fish on fly. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's not just trout because like, I'll say this when I first started fly fishing, I, I just assumed it was like about trout. Yeah. Same. And like, same. same. I, I, trout fishing's fine. Okay. Like, it's cool. You know, I, I'm not like, I don't think I'm the guy that's going to be chasing around like fish this big with a $3,000 hey. bamboo hey. rod up in mountains. I feel attacked, man. But, no, 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 no. You're, you're not purposely, you're not purposely trying to catch them. But like, my point just being is that, um, you know, I, my grandfather always wanted me to, to learn how to fly fish, but he was thinking more in terms of, of like sunfish and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, like it'll be, whether it's freshwater in when I lived in Arkansas, man, you catch bass on that thing. Like, yeah, dude. What, 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 what do you think bass like can intuitively tell like that's a fly. I'm not eating that. Right. You know, they're voracious. If they're hungry, they will eat a uh, lots of things oh, yeah. or even in salt, like redfish. I'm like, yeah, you never seen those guys in those expensive boats that sit out there on that shoal and they're a hundred thousand dollar boats. You think they're flesh fishing with mullet? Like, no, man, they all got convention. They all got fly rods, thousand dollar fly yeah. rods, mind you out there. Right. And so it's, it's just, and that kind of gets back to like what we've been saying about like having a conversation um, about like, you know, bow fishing, fly fishing, all these things kind of coexisting within this thing called the, the great outdoors. And, um, you know, like I said, to start, I'm not opposed with it, but if you want a challenge, you don't have to shoot and kill the fish and go fly fishing. Give it a, give it a try. It might, it'll probably piss you off. It'll probably just, <laughs> you'll get upset because you can't make a, a cast like anywhere like you can with a conventional rod. But I promise you, when you see the fish eat, it'll be, it'll be very rewarding if you do get them to eat. 
That's a big if. And you know what? You don't leave holes in the fish. And you don't just grievously wound it. Yeah. Or you just don't have it bounce off their yeah. their, you know, armor because you didn't use the dense arrow or the right, you know, your your bit or not your bit, but your um your blade, whatever you want to call it, arrowhead, that's what it is. It's too dull. You know? Yeah. So um yeah. yeah. Take up fly fishing, but don't actually become a fly fisher. Okay? Don't don't <laughs> just come try and it. don't just try, yeah, it. Just try it a few times. It's fine. But just stay you know what? Florida sucks. You don't want to come fly fishing in Florida. You don't want to come in my area, <laughs> go down the keys. So overrated. It's just, you know, it's no fun. Frustrating. You gotta deal with wind and you know, those fish. I mean, sure they pull hard. But that wind, oh, that wind, and you know, <laughs> waiting and casting—it's, it's, it's, it's not for everybody. It sounds so horrible that me and Jose need it to make a trip. It sucks. <laughs> it does. Like, to- dude, I don't care. I don't care how bad it is. I want to go so bad. No, no, <laughs> you guys are okay. You guys are fine. You, you guys, <laughs> you guys are okay. But the, but the other also, people, like, no. Real quick, kind of. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Just real quick, picking back. Kind of piggybacking off what you said. If there are any fly fishermen who kind of turn their nose up at carp fishing, it's also good practice for when you do want to go to the mm-hmm. salt. Like side casting, presentation, your 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 side or your uh, wading abilities, all that stuff. Man, do a little bit of carp fishing. You'll be good for some reds, some black drum, maybe even some bowfish. Yeah, or you got to get it within a pretty small plane. You can't. Well, see, now Louisiana is different because, like, you could throw a 50-pound leader at those fish and almost hit it on the head. It won't matter because they're not leader shy. But, like, carp are probably leader shy. And so, you know, they get pressure. And so, yeah, like, getting it to unfold naturally, to put it there, to drag it in front of their face. But, again, with carp, don't don't strip set it. That's what I imagine. Don't, don't, Don't strip set it. But like, hey, uh, I will say this: if you are gonna, you know, you're a bow fisherman, and you're gonna take up, um, you're gonna take up fly fishing, always trout set and salt water, always trout set. It's it's totally. the best advice I can ever give. And and, and just and think of it as like, yeah, pay for that one. Trout set and fall off the boat. That's the way you're gonna catch them. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Well, boys, that's uh, going to do it for me. All righty. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. It was good. I think there's a lot of yeah. good information to share well, here. Just just sure. one second, guys, real quick. Um, if you don't mind, Russ, I'm going to plug my buddy Rob. So not sure when this episode is going to air, but as of February 7th, 2023, his book, Fly Fishing Houston in Southeastern Texas, was officially released. And it's a 300-page book about fishing in and around Houston. It gives you some good um, locations for parking. Um, gives you general locations for for uh, potential fishing spots and what to expect. No spot burning. You got to go. He gives you enough to get started. It's up to you to actually do the rest. Um, I mean, he even talks about like local breweries Ooh. and stuff like that. Solid, solid book. And uh, also, your boy may or may not make an appearance in it, too. So, you know, just go check it out, guys. <laughs> it should be on Amazon. Yeah, man. Copy yourself a copy. Super, super cool book. Super great dude. He also wrote another book called Fly Fishing the Sam, all about fly fishing the Sam Houston National Forest. 
um, kind of like blue lining in Texas, if you will, super like small creeks, like in the national forest, freaking awesome fishery, man. Totally underrated. But yeah, give it, check it out. Definitely will. Definitely will. Um, whenever we post this, we can probably put a link in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, do it wherever it is. And I don't really have any pluggables, you know, but if you want to, if you think I'm such an an asshole and I'm so caustic and you know, that thing, and you want to, you want to send me hate mail on Instagram, I guess Russ can pull up my, you know, my IG and it's, it's, it's fine. I can have a conversation. It's okay. I don't take myself seriously, by the way, people, but if I really grind your gears, <laughs> oh, well, I'll just keep triggering you. Yes. Ooh, dude. That, that would be a good segment for what? the podcast. Gr- what grind yes. That there would you be. Go. That would be. <laughs> what? Okay. Dude, okay. I like it. What grinds my gears well, thanks, is... Thanks for... Uh, well, here's my quip, then. What grinds my gears? Bow fishing. Don't do it. <laughs> go and buy a fly rod, but don't go to Florida. Don't fly fish down there. But if you do, trout set. It's important. You'll do well. <laughs> I appreciate it. It'll, it'll take you far in this world. I don't think we could have ended any better. <laughs> I don't think we could have ended this episode any better than that, man. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Well, thank you again for joining, Brian. And yeah, uh, I guess that'll do it for this episode. And sure. uh, like we said last time, please like, share, follow, do everything that you can. And uh, if you guys have any questions, if there's anything else you want us to talk about, have any topics you want us to cover, feel free to let us know. Reach out to me or Jose. And uh, if you want to send all the hate mail, even if it's about me and Jose, just make sure you send it to Brian. I'll put his <laughs> IG in the, in, the, in, the, in the bottom of the video in the description. So other than that, I guess that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all for joining.